Hello and welcome to the Veer Vulnerabilis Veer podcast. I'm Adam Glinsky. I'm Albert Imperato. Where we help men communicate and build empathy. Albert, we got another double header today. So thank you for hanging out with us. And um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're just talking about everything that's been going on. And I'm just so excited to continue this conversation because it just needs to be talked about right now. Um, got some great folks to, to chat about. So tell us a little about, um, I mean, you were on the live. So tell us a little bit about that. Like what was your firsthand experience? Well, um, I've known Lucas the longest, uh, along with you, like you guys, I met early on in this whole Instagram business for me. And, uh, I, you know, we have plenty of back and forth. We actually met up, uh, Lucas and I were out in Western Massachusetts, finding, uh, exploring this amazing place, uh, that he took me to and this old, these old ruins of an old house mansion that had been, uh, that had burned down, I believe. And, you know, we bonded early on. I realized that there was going to be a part of, of meeting people through, through Instagram, um, that I hadn't counted on really making new friends and, and, uh, it was just a great time. So we've been in touch since then. And of course, all of us have just been enjoying, you know, our, our Instagram lives and talking about, about fashion and about the industry and about denim. And then all of a sudden uh, you and I were doing a podcast. Um, you know, it grew out of our experience talking to a lot of men uh, on Instagram who were telling us very honestly um, about the difficulties that they have in their lives, difficulties in expressing themselves difficulties in, in sharing their emotion, difficulties in uh, their own ideas about themselves, how they you know provide for their families or how they manage stress or you name it. And then recently, we just all talked about COVID, COVID, COVID. And uh, that was the thing that we were all wrestling with and trying uh, in a really majorly uh, you know, collective way. All of us were living through the same thing, uh, worldwide even. And then all of a sudden, just when you, you thought that we had a topic that couldn't be trumped, we came up with just the incredible events of the last couple of weeks. Uh, the last, it's been 10 days now uh, since uh, George Floyd was murdered by the cops in Minneapolis. And just when we thought the world hadn't changed in one way, it's changed in another way. And we're all trying to understand what is the change that happened? Uh, how lasting is it going to be and what direction are we headed? And I, what I heard was that Lucas and his buddy Charles, see, uh, Charles Millerbrand Denim, um, uh, Charles was hosting a series of Denim Talks and uh, Charles had originally invited Lucas to come on and talk about stuff, I assume mostly about Denim and events of the day came up and Charles basically reached out to Lucas and said, you know, we, we really should talk about, about race, about race in America. And, and Lucas was very upfront and said, you know, I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable talking about race in America. And that was the conversation that, that was uh, an Instagram live conversation earlier this week. It was attended by lots of people in the, in our community. And it was, it was great. It was uh, illuminating. It was honest. Uh, and during that, uh, during that um, talk, uh, they mentioned the word vulnerable multiple times, and that's what our show is all about, uh, which rang a bell. And then several people afterwards, even during, wrote and said, hey, you really got, have to have these guys on your, your podcast. And I thought they might have fun having started this conversation, 
that they might have fun uh, looking at it um, now, a couple of days later, and, and be able to kind of have a little distance from it and tell us maybe even more what they learned about themselves and about the, the topic. Um, so that, that's really where we're at. Did you want to officially introduce them so our listeners know who we're talking to? Absolutely. So um, we got two great guys here. Uh, first, I'm going to introduce Lucas Fitzpatrick, was born and raised in Western Massachusetts. He found his way into raw denim after working in professional theater and has found interest in both the hobby and small business. Now Lucas works in brand growth consulting and pop-up event curation for American Field, and he gets to connect with small brands every day. Charles. Charles grew up in the northeast of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. His background is a combination of admiration of watching a successful military civilian career of his mother and the successful multi-state multifaceted entrepreneur career of his father. Both had a powerful influence on his life now, and he often res refers to his resume and forthcoming as a combination of both. Charles studied business marketing and communications for undergrad and learned management and leadership in his graduate work. At different parts of his upbringing, he was also influenced by his uncles who had the small business spirit in them with marketing, retail stores, traveling, and professions embedded in workwear. Currently, Dual active army family with two children, a growing denim heritage good brand. Charles says he's a sucker for great marketing expressions and imagery, along with being a lifelong student of creativity and inspiration. Asked how he manages the demands of being a family man and a busy entrepreneur, Charles tells us, it's an ongoing balance challenge for my family, my professional career, and the brand. Guys, thank you so much for coming onto the show. I really appreciate you making time. Welcome. How are you guys today? Doing well. Thanks for having us. Yeah, good. I appreciate of course, you. Of course. Well, it was a bit. It was a bit of a long <laughs> intro. Um, I mean, whenever you added that that fourth person to the mix, it's a little bit more information. But uh, just so we can get the context here, just tell us a little bit about your relationship. Uh, uh, you know, where, where you met, what you do together. Just like set that up so people know who they're hearing from. Right. I don't know, Lucas. You might want to take that because I, I think. It's, it's how we met has came around full circle to how, what it is that we're doing now. Yeah. Um, um, it's, it's a, it's a funny story guys. Right. Um, so Charles and I met, uh, actually Albert, it was the, the day after I went to a Harry Connick Jr. concert at Tanglewood in the Berkshires. Oh shit. Um, and I drove out to Boston to attend this pop-up event that I didn't know Charles was at. Uh, I was going to go visit some friends. Uh, my friends that run Brothers Art Artisan Oil were there. Uh, a couple other small brands that I was into at the time. Um, I was leaving. I saw that this dude had a had a denim set up, but I was like, I don't, I don't need any more jeans. Like I don't, I don't, whatever. Not interested, right? And then I'm walking in front of his booth. Uh, at this pop-up market and a woman drops something in front of me bends over and I'm like stuck right up against her ass right and and it's like it's so awkward Charles and I are looking at like dead made eye contact we couldn't not we couldn't not like engage after that it was so awkward so uncomfortable and now he's one of my closest friends <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, so what kind of came came full circle around is is that pop-up that I went to was an American field pop-up which now um you know I'm on, on staff for and and uh, uh you know, yeah, that's a big part of my life uh, is now kind of curating those markets that Charles is a part of. Um, and last year, uh, as I was kind of making the the 
connections and conversation to, to get involved with AF uh, and leaving my, my prior full-time job, um, Charles and I were in the process of launching a, a collaboration of, you know, collaborative pair of jeans and sweatshirt and, and uh, you know, a couple accessories. Um, it all just kind of coincided really beautifully and, um, you know, been a, a really cool friendship based around collaboration and kind of challenging each other and um, challenging each other to be better and, and kind of expand comfort zones. And it's kind of come to a interesting fruition at the, um, you know, kind of at the intersection of times that we are in our, in our country right now. Um, are you, are you, uh, you're, the stuff that you collaborated on, those are now available and out on the marketplace now or coming up and people should be expecting them? The, the, the collaborative projects that you're working on. Yeah, it's probably, I think it's down to the bottom of inventory. If I'm... Yeah, it's down to the, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's slim pickings for the rest of the inventory. It's it's available on um, charlesmillerbrand.com. It's, uh, so it's, it's two different fits of, um, <laughs> and it's plenty fits. So it's, uh, yeah, li- 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 yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's a play on words with uh, the, the labels that we use and kind of the branding and marketing that we use for the collaboration. Uh, CMBD and Fitz, um, uh, Live Denim, Live Inspired. And so it's um, all the pieces, uh, two two styles in denim, uh, sweatshirt with um, some cool thumb holes, all cut and sew. Um, denim made in LA, the tops are made in Seattle. Uh, and it was, um, we, we, we named it Live Inspired, the Live Inspired collection because at the time, as Lucas was saying, he was transitioning um, into a, a new role, um, a new challenge in his life. And we were also just um, transitioning into the, the next season. And so it just made sense um, to kind of just put our brains together from stuff that we've been kind of just focused on for the past year prior to that. And uh, we, we named it Live Inspired uh, because the nature of our relationship uh, always circled around inspiring each other in one way or another, keeping each other accountable, keeping each other responsible to whatever action, thought, or um, or need was, was necessary at the time, you know, for the, for the denim community, for, for both of our communities. And so it just, it just fit. So we're talking, we're talking at three, uh, knowing each other now about three years, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So how, how much of that time was, was actually in-person time where you guys are in the same city hanging out versus oh, just online time, maybe five times. Yeah. Yeah. Five or six it, times. Um, there was, there was a month or two where it was like every other weekend we were doing yeah. something yeah um, i think it's that's february last year yeah and what do you think it is about you, the two of you that works uh sparking each other what what is it about your personalities that that fires i'll let you answer that flatter me <laughs> um man well uh so lucas is a very um detail-oriented guy um and he's and he's a He's, he's, he's grown to be a data-driven guy now. So it's all about strategy. And so that kind of intrigued me to see how his mind works. So he was forever, he was in my phone as uh, Lucas, the Massachusetts creative, because every time I talk to him, it's something that you could tell he was thinking in his mind. And um, I love that type of stuff. Like that's type of in, engaging conversation. So this is below surface level. Surface level is how you doing. Um, great to talk to you, whatever, goodbye. Um, so we went deeper than that and we're able to kind of hone in and, um, and I don't know, it, it just, it just works for us. And so we, we, we play around and we, 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 uh, we make fun of our relationship because when people see us talking, um, it's kind of like a marriage and it's, 
yeah. I, I think that that every successful relationship period, regardless of what the context is, that you've got someone that's doing the pushing and someone that's doing the pulling. And I think that right. Charles and I have kind of uh, figured out a, I don't know, pretty pretty balanced dynamic where I think that I'm I'm the pusher, and Charles is the one that kind of pulls pulls the ideas out. Um, you know, yeah, pretty a, much a, a grounder and a dreamer. Um, Charles has these these incredible big ideas that um, are just impossible to harness. <laughs> I think I've, <laughs> I think I've I've learned a. a, a kind of learn my ability to like to translate folks with big ideas from my relationship with Charles. Um, my, my origin of the live inspired collection, maybe you don't know this, but, um, when I would, I would approach Charles with an idea that I had, whether it be like, I'm thinking about this for kind of my personal brand, or I'm thinking about going back to the gym, or I'm thinking about, you know, this surprise for a loved one or whatever, Charles's response would always be, man, I'm so inspired. And that almost became like a meme among my immediate friends. <laughs> They'd be like, right. oh, I'm talking to my friend Charles. Oh, the I'm inspired guy. So with live <laughs> denim kind of, you know, with with denim kind of playing into your everyday life and that kind of being the, the, the main marketing message behind CMBD, um, we kind of thought it was appropriate to like, to merge that with this mantra that whether you know whether that came from a place of, of jest or, or sincerity depending on the circumstance i think that was kind of where we where we spun that collection so so let's go to to uh, denim talks uh you said you launched the denim denim talk series which was what an instagram live series charles that you were going to talk to different people in the field or was it or was that something you were going to do together no so it was um it was just an effort in continuing to build community and engagement during COVID times where we're not able to travel um, and engage in person as much. And so uh, that was the initial thought. Um, and uh, Lucas and I, um, he launched it with us. He was the first one. Um, and it, it just made sense because he was kind of behind the scenes with, um, again, pushing me to make sure that um, I'm pulling the right information out to give to the community. To give, so it's, it's, thought through engagements that we're having every single week and they all tie around or circled around the denim community um, or heritage. And, and I was it. it started in March. So we're on a uh, series uh, or episode, I'm sorry, 12 next week now. Yeah. I think that so, it kind of started in, in a way where we're, we were kind of just bouncing ideas, how to, mm-hmm. how to keep the message relevant when you can't hang out in person. Um, so we had, you know, Charles and I did the first denim stories together and it really turned into like the, the conversation was around what small businesses can do or are doing both from the perspective of CMBD and from all the brands I interact with every day, like kind of what's the strategy for negotiating COVID. And I felt at the end of it, like that's the shit that really gets me fired up and like gets me really excited is thinking about strategies that small brands are using. You know, that's like, I think that's why I'm here, you know? Right. Um, so but, you guys had, oh, I'm sorry, but yeah, but um, I feel like that's not the side of me that's exciting at all. <laughs> like, I feel that's like, that's the side that's guaranteed <laughs> to bore you to death when I'm talking, you know, small brand strategy. So then a couple of weeks ago, we were like, oh, well, let's revisit. Let's do a fun one where we can kind of show our personality and, and it wasn't a fun one. <laughs> it, 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 a lot of things happened in the world that made that not fun. <laughs> right, well, the, right. The, the original thought was literally no agenda. We're just going to talk and get to know each other publicly a little bit more, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, I think, you know, mm-hmm. it was just kind of a, a, just a fun thing, just a personality thing. I mean, he did, Charles did one with, with Jesus uh, Salgado a couple weeks ago, and that was wicked fun. Yep. It was just like community members 
kind of roasting Jesus. <laughs> like, right. it, was, it was really <laughs> fun. And I was like, man, I want to like, I want to do that, <laughs> you know? Um, but no, I, I think. So one, one day, Dan, uh, uh, recently, what we're talking maybe about 10 days ago when all this happened, uh, mm-hmm. you, you reached out to, to Lucas. Um, did you do it publicly or did you do it like Oh, off, off oh no 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 that's no, not how it went at all <laughs> okay no, it, was, it, was, it was so what this is sunday this is friday that we're talking now i'm talking yeah. about the invite to talk about race not the actual talk oh okay so sunday night charles texas yeah. my sunday afternoons are very chill no phone <laughs> right no you know i'm watching tv hanging out you know i think we made sangria on sunday and chilled out outside it was a really awesome day i had no idea that the world was on fire so when I get a text from Charles on Sunday night that says, hey, man, are we still on t- for tomorrow? I want to talk about what's going on in the world. I was like, sure, that sounds great. Hell yeah. <laughs> so then Monday morning, I get a, I get a, I wake up to seven texts that say, we're going to have this discussion about race in America. Um, here's an image that says talking about race in America. And, and I, I was, I, I guess I'll Google what's going, what's going on. <laughs> like, why are we talking? You know, you know, my, that was some pretty good sangria, dude. You were like, really? <laughs> it had been touch. sitting there for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, I love Sundays. Come on. And, and sangria is oh, awesome. It is. Okay. So you're working up to the reality that you've been asked to do something kind of important. Well, in my initial response was, I think that we need to either a not brand this as a conversation right. about race, because this, isn't a time for, I have nothing insightful to say, and it's not a time for me to say anything if I did. Mm-hmm. Or B, you find someone that has something to say. And in true nature of every collaboration that we've done, Charles did not <laughs> let me get out of it. And I'm really glad. I'm really glad that I kind of challenged myself to have a conversation and... and it's, it's interesting, offline, I think it was offline, maybe it was earlier on, but you said that you guys have known each other three years now and had never talked about race and it was never relevant. Mm-hmm. No, it was never, never relevant. Was. No. And right. that, that is interesting. That kind of cuts two ways in a way. Um, in one way it could suggest somehow we're not talking about important things that we should talk about. But on the other hand, it also means that you're just enjoying your friendship and assuming that it's okay to just enjoy your friendship. And I think people are waking up to that, duality right now yeah right all of us crave normalcy and enjoyment but we all live with a certain degree of um acceptance or whatever you may call it that there's a lot going on around us that does really require a lot more action than we're giving it and that balance is very very hard um so you guys you go into this uh, into this talk um uh, did you did you like right before you started, did you give each other little tips or pointers and say, you better not say this word or mention that idea? Or no. was there anything like what that? What word, Albert? <laughs> no, I, I, I meant anything. No, no, we, I mean, were you that? We, I mean, how nervous were you, Lucas? Because it, when, when it started, you were admitting to being somewhat terrified. I hated every minute of it leading up to it. <laughs> and then yep. I knew that it was the right thing to do that I didn't feel any more comfortable at the end. Yeah afterwards i was like you know i went into the other room and and elaine was like how, my girlfriend was like how did it go and i was like i think it went fine like it, it wasn't the kind of thing you know like 
the last time I had been nervous about something like that, not the last time, but I think like back to being in like the high school play where it's like at the end, you're like, oh, everyone's cheering. I'm in the, I'm in the gym and everyone's parents are saying I did a great job and they're asking what college I'm going to. And I'm saying, well, I'm dropping out. Um, and, you know, and like, I would, there was that energy where you go home and you sleep so well after going to friendlies and getting all fucked up on ice cream with your high school friends. Like, it wasn't like that. It was like, man, mm-hmm. that was good it's not the end it's like not even remotely close to the end it's not even remotely close to the beginning right and when, it, when you say surface, really that the, the meaning the conversation meaning the, this the conversation, conversation the action having. the topic yeah like this is and one of the things that i really took out of that conversation from the comments from you know folks who were, were chiming in god I've, I've been saying folks a lot for the last like five days is there something wrong with me people don't people that are 26 don't say folks that's a very that's like a it's okay is it is it okay it's showing your leadership is it when i think folks i think of my elementary school music teacher used to say folks a lot well yeah, I, don't know. I say folks people i say folks oh i'm sorry i didn't want to say old people over i'm sorry yeah, old people do <laughs> <laughs> um I, i'm twice most of you guys age. It's okay. i'm not offended uh, uh i yeah i think that the one of the big takeaways that i took from there is like this and this might have been from like a meme that I had seen on somebody's story that like this to some degree is like day two or day three of like mm. hyper awareness or awareness or active you know activation or part of the movement whatever you want to call it but it's like it's like day 10,000 for people it's like year 400,000 mm-hmm. you know like uh, but approaching every day now with the humility and willingness to learn and willingness to be wrong. That was another big takeaway. Willingness to be wrong and be corrected that, that you had on yeah. day one. Um, right. Those were, I don't know. I got and the, the, willingness, the willingness to be wrong is it d- demands a certain kind of uh, courage, but it right. also, it also says something about the person that you're willing to be wrong in front of yeah. about their, your perception that they, they are going to make a, a safe space for you to to make a mistake. Totally. So I'm wondering, Charles, um, uh, what what you felt was? Did you feel like you had to say something or do something to make Lucas realize he that he was safe, or was that built into your close friendship and knowing each other? Yeah, I think it's built into our close friendship. I mean, because uh, even even in I mean, not difficult conversations, but even in debating back and forth, we still we still check each other, we pull each other up. Um, and we make sure that we're we're make, we're making sure that either one of us is going to articulate the right thing when 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 needed, or we're going to do the right thing when required. And so that I wasn't worried about anything. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was really just having another conversation with Lucas on the phone, but this is public. I think that the big, you know, that that's kind of built into you know feeling. A lot of people I spoke to like, just talk, take Charles's lead. He's not going to screw you. Like, he's not going to screw you over. You're not going to, my worry isn't about like saying an opinion that I thought was wrong because I went into that conversation with a full awareness that like, this isn't the time for me to share an opinion because there isn't an opinion. You're on the right side or on the wrong, on the wrong side. That's it. Right. You know, and that wrong, if you're on that wrong side, I don't, I don't want to talk to you at this point. Right. You know, um, so I think the most valuable kind of insight going into it that I got was from a mutual friend, Melissa, who runs a chain stitching mm-hmm. brand called Rancho Sueño in Austin, Texas, um, who is a collaborator that we hooked Charles up with at the AF in, in Austin this past year. She was just like, dude, like, I think all, the best y- y'all can do is like show up with empathy 
and honesty. Yep. See, tying it back in, tying it back into the yep. theme. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I wasn't I wasn't afraid of saying the wrong thing and coming off as malintentioned. I didn't. That wasn't a worry at all. It's like, but there's there's a lot of nuance that if you're not versed, mm-hmm. you don't know. I, there, I I think of the times that I've said something that has a, a connotation or is outdated or is offensive in a way to a community that I don't have awareness of. That's the shit you don't want to say in front of people. You know, like I'm not worried about saying something that people are going to say, he believes this, he believes that. Mm. I'm worried about making a mistake, but that's what you got to be willing to make. And also too, like if you're, if even if you're saying something that could be, um, and this is for anybody, anything, if you're saying something that could be offensive to someone, if you say it in the form of a question and, and in the form of, I don't know about this, like, tell me more about this. Like that just, it, it opens up more vulnerability. It opens up more honesty. And I, and I think it, it welcomes the conversation. So it's like, all right, well, this is, let's, let's make this an educational um, topic right now. For sure. And just talk it inside and out. And that's what we did, you know? And then things just started coming out. I mean, um, with the comments involved, I mean, we, we kind of had like a theme. We had a couple topics we wanted to kind of touch on and it went back and forth all over the place. And then um, in taking with the comments, kind of inserting them into our conversation. Um, it was a, it was a community effort. Lucas and I were just on the platform pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was on the uh, on the comment thread and it was just so clear that it was uh, freeing up energy, pent up energy that people felt. Um, just, you know, we're we're absorbing especially in this media age that we live in, we absorb enormous amounts of energy whether we realize it or not. Uh, it's and and right now we're being barraged with ener- uh, this energy at a uh, that's rich with extremely complicated content, from very deeply superficial content to profound content about the nature of our society, the future of democracy, you name it. And we take it through that same uh, uh, delivery s- system that brings us you know, advertisements for some inane product or whatever else. So we're not used to really being at the receiving end of so much information so fast. And, you know, it's a special moment already. It was a special moment already because of COVID, but that may be the blessing that, that actually comes from this, that we are all, we all shared this moment. We all shared that eight minutes and 46 seconds. And, you know, I, I believe, and I want to know, um, ask you guys and especially you charles do you feel like we've we have reached a tipping point with with what we've experienced over the past 10 days i'm just curious where you feel we are it is the early stages you said that lucas but i'm just curious charles if you feel a bit of a tipping point happening yeah uh i do um my wife and i we were talking about it earlier today um i mean you've said it from covid i think covid um kind of kind of like just crafted um i don't know a a sense of hope um and then with um everything with the um uh just the 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 racial unrest i think that just um that coupled that with change and this is the first time um that i've seen or that i've experienced where there's been something um to this magnitude um, that has been just, I mean, you look everywhere, it's, it's all over the place and it's not just one day or one hour or just, um, this is like today for five hours, we're just going to put this hashtag out. Like this is an ongoing thing. And it's been so since, since, um, uh, George Floyd died. Uh, and 
I, I think now more than ever, um, people are listening. Everybody's listening. And it's not just 500 people out on, on, on um, uh, the White House um, lawn just you know screaming like, no justice, no peace. This is the whole country um, just out there and now. And it's, I, I think it is a good, it's a good starting point for building uh, a, a, a new, a new definition of what community is and a new, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's opening a chapter in history, I think, to continue that conversation. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think the COVID kind of like kept this, like Albert, you were saying, this energy just boiling up inside and mm -hmm. we just became a powder keg that exploded. And now that, you know, it's, it's up and the dust is, you know, slowly settling um we have all of these things we have these sayings that really really mean things like no justice no peace black lives matter they have weight to them that have just been compounded on top of each other that just resonate between a lot of people and one thing that you know you and i talked about prior to this was a couple of those those statements that that really came through and while there is a lot of positive change, there's still some things that, that need to be said and need to be understood by other communities. And one of those is, I can't breathe. It means so much more than, you know, physically, I can't breathe. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about what that means to you and what, what that means to, to your community? For, for me, um, it means... Uh... Uh, well, like I, I, I'm, I'm silenced, um, or I'm suffocating, um, and suffocating in the way that I can't express myself, I can't explain myself, or I can't, I can't um, take advantage of these opportunities, um, just with the nature of my skin complexion, you know. Um, and I, I think that it resonates deep with a lot of people because there's been so much there's been so much that have been covered up for so long. And now the, I guess the, the engagement is, is just out all out on the table for everybody to kind of read, like here, here, here's, this is what it is. It's not, it's not hidden. I mean, this has been going on for a, a while now. I think it's just better crafted to communicate to the masses now where it's more, it's it's like there's no choice but to accept it now. I mean, that Black Lives Matter was painted um, in D.C. on the street, and the mayor called it, you know. And then they even changed it from they changed the White House address to Black Lives Matter Plaza. Like nothing, none of none of that type of stuff has happened before. I mean, you got some protests, you have some signs and stuff, and that's as far as it goes. You have some stuff sh shared on social media, but now I think. Um, I can breathe now. Um, they put that on George Floyd's uh, um, memorial at his um, at his funeral. Uh, I think that's it's it's a lot to, to get. It's a lot to take with that. Like I can breathe now. Like I have a voice now, and not only black people, but the whole community, all minorities, all just just white, black, Asian, you know, wh whoever. We all have a voice now, and we're all in this together. It's not just. Like I, I think it's initially, I think it came from a black white thing because the cop was white and, you know, George Floyd is black. But I think it it went so much more past that to 
this is this this is a just a systemic racism um, and racism meaning it can be white on white, it can be black on black, whatever it is, but we need to do better, you know. And that's where I think where it's at now. What I what I loved, um, I watched the George Floyd Memorial yesterday. And what I really loved and what gave me a sense of the historic moment was um, Al Sharpton's um, speech. Um, he really uh, summoned brilliantly that this reaction to what the video and to George Floyd's murder was a worldwide event that he told story, he told a couple of stories of, of a young kid uh, you know, showing incredible awareness of what had happened and what it meant uh, uh, you know, in, in our society or the fact that people were marching in Germany right. or people were marching in, in Scandinavia or wherever. He related that video to a world historic event. And I do believe that that's what's going to give this lasting uh, rev- resonance, why we're not going to go back. Because there's, who would have thought after Rodney King that we could have mm-hmm. gone back to complacency? Mm-hmm. Who would have thought after any number of these atrocities that we would go back to complacency? And, and the bottom line is, if the majority, especially in, in America, the majority of white people don't demand this as unacceptable behavior, then it continues. Mm-hmm. When the majority says, we will not tolerate this, that's mm-hmm. when it stops. And that's our job is to make people who say this is in, unacceptable, the majority opinion. And so loud and so obvious that you're, if you want to mess with that, be prepared to be ostracized, be prepared to be arrested if you act on your hostility and aggression, et cetera. We have to now, we have now climbed out of the ditch. We can't go back in the ditch. And the, the, we, we have to all keep each other at the level that we're at now, where it's unacceptable, zero tolerance. Uh, Lucas, I don't want to put you on the spot, but you said you, in your own home life, in your own family life, had a moment where you normally don't respond to certain things that are said, and you felt compelled to say something. Now, without, without betraying your confidence yeah yeah it wasn't even wasn't a situation i don't know i'm not i don't want to be defensive either but the situation was was i I was talking about current events and was met with why are you talking about things that are going to make me sad right well good it makes you sad that's a that's a starting point (laughs) but then you got to fucking talk about it that's there this is this is what we're doing now. This is the world we're living in now, and I think you know one thing that it, it, I totally agree with every every point that you guys are making about. It seems like a tipping point. Like the side of me that is like the grounder is like, well, we don't have enough data. <laughs> like you know, it's been it, as you said, it's been ten days. You know, and right now it's a hot topic. What's it going to look like in a week? What's it going to look like in two months? What's it going to look like in two months when there's another incident? You know, and I think on one hand there's these incredible, amazing displays of humanity, right? Like Charles mentioned today, the streets in DC being painted with Black Lives Matter. You look at, you know, all these people that I know are posting stories from protests from New York to LA to San Francisco to Europe, right? That's incredible. But the fact that I'm seeing so many people that agree with me and are on the right side, does that just mean that I'm surrounded by the right people? You think about, look about my closet, right? I don't have a problem dropping $400 on a pair of jeans. 
I don't have 20 pairs of them. I have the best ones, in my opinion. I've taken the time to curate my collection and curate the shit that's a part of my life. That, statistically, logically, one would think that if I apply that to my closet, I must apply it to the people that I spend time with. You think about our community. It's really easy to pat ourselves on the back and say, hey, the denim community is doing a lot of really great stuff. You know, we're really inclusive. We're, we're Maybe we just haven't given, like, maybe we just don't even give ourselves the opportunities to fuck up. So that's, that's the conversations that I want to keep having. You know, um, I, I was talking to a friend that I was kind of consulting and talking with who, I don't, maybe this is a term people use, maybe it's not, maybe it's, but maybe more woke than me, right? Is it has <laughs> much more, is that offensive? That's not offensive, right? No, no. Okay, all right. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just trying to be careful here. Um, it's way more woke than me was like, well, this is really cool. Like knowing that like, okay, you're into, you're into denim, you're into American made stuff. And they're like, well, are you going to talk about what American made means? That's a huge, that's a huge, uh, you know, differentiator selling point for me big big part of my life as a consumer is things that are made in america does that mean something different to me because i'm white maybe maybe not probably i i don't know i don't have the answer i'm like i'm not the person that's gonna have the answer but do, are we not gonna find that answer because we it, it's a, a community that's not overwhelmingly welcome and and i want to add to that a little bit too that the mythology that we attach to yeah. heritage brands is based on another whole set of assumptions and images yeah. and stories and histories. And, you know, oh, I love, look today, as I talk to you guys, I'm wearing a, a, a denim shirt, a cowboy shirt, Western style, you know, and I, and, and I, it is a Telesin, good eye. It looks good. Um, thank you, buddy. But you can start digging down. I mean, I just read a book uh, and I'm, you know, I'm reading about our acquisition of the American Southwest and uh, wow, you got to start getting into some really all of a sudden the idea of oh the American West there's there's a lot of mythology there and 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 you know you could dig deeply and never get to the bottom of of the mythologies of of all of our identities and I think I guess Lucas I really really appreciate what you you said and you're really really right this may all change in a week or two weeks or in a month um, um, and I do think though that we have the strength now with this conversation and you guys are obviously going to continue talking about this topic. And we are, um, that we will grow, be able to grow, uh, a collective voice that's louder than, um, than the opposite. You know, the more we cry out for community, for respect, equality, inclusion, et cetera, the louder that voice the lower the voice of di division and, and, and demonization and everything else that goes on in making our, and our, our culture divided. So, you know, it's great, I, you know, the data and all that, we have to make the data. Well, that, all that doesn't exist, that stays stagnant if the community doesn't yeah. grow. Yes. So you have a responsibility to, to push those boundaries. And that's going back to the point about the conversation I had in my personal life where I was like, well, right we're going to have this sad conversation because you're not dead and people are dead. And that's sad. There's like, I'm making you sad. Like my, my, I don't even know. How, there's, there isn't a polite way to say it, but my, like my conversation having this with you makes you sad. Like what if I was killed by a cop? You'd be sad then too. That's different. So we have to check that. Yeah, putting it, I, I agree. Putting it in different perspectives makes people think like, 
well, okay. Um, which I, I don't think there's going to need to be a lot of convincing just on the nature of the fact that COVID put a blanket of vulnerability over the whole world. And so with death and, and loss of lives. And so I, I don't, I think if we didn't have COVID and this happened, it would have just blew over. Interesting. It, it would have been, it would have been another, it just been another death, you know, uh, another, another like white cop on black dude um, murder. But, but because of COVID um, and the slower pace of life, uh, there was there was no option but to pay attention, and then listen, you know. And then like like you said, Lucas, like, well, all right, let's let's go ahead and have this difficult conversation and grow from it. And if you don't want to have that conversation, eventually you'll probably you'll probably catch on because your circle around you. Is, is, is eventually going to going to listen and want to grow and then you're going to be stuck you know yeah well you think about you know where we were mid-march where it was like at the point where it was obvious this isn't going to be a two-week thing covid right. it's not like this ain't going to be over tomorrow we might summer might be screwed you know when we were at that point mm-hmm. like that's where looking at it from the business perspective that's a make or break point. Like th- some of those businesses might still be kicking now, but if you're not able to pivot, you're screwed, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, and you think about the way that the world pivoted from, you know, uh, communic- communicating with your family and your friends all the way to, you look at, you know, your Coachella's, I don't know if they did anything, but like big festivals and events and and the way that we might have to, to go there, but the way that we might have to change the way that we vote in November. Mm-hmm. Um, we opened up all those channels that made like, a, a kind of like a, a perfect super highway of getting information out for this for the events of the last 10 days yeah everyone's listening to those channels because that's what we have those just happen to be the channels that we were communicating these kind of things with anyway and then you match that you're not supposed to leave your house and all of a sudden tens of thousands of millions of people are out in the streets marching for something to believe in shit that's a fucking historical event <laughs> yeah. excuse me sorry and yeah. that's another difference between charles and i is that i have a sailor trash mouth and i've heard charles say like said he was pissed off twice maybe <laughs> but man yeah this is crazy crazy times well i thought of you guys last night i was uh doing the dishes and i popped on the tv and uh there's the the moment in uh, cnn when uh cuomo uh his show folds over to the don lemon show and for a moment the dudes talk to each other about their bromance and they talk about, uh, and they were looking at each other last night. And you know, I was literally taking notes about talking to you guys as I was listening to them talk. And they just looked at each other sort of like, thank God we have this. Thank God we have each other to talk to. And um, I don't know, it just, it made me realize and it, I mean, it goes back to the, the why Adam and I have been doing the podcast is this belief that talk in and of itself and communication in and of itself is so nurturing and so good for us and so brings out, uh, uh, enables us to confront fears, enables us to learn from the wisdom of other people, to to be pushed the way you guys are describing about being pushed and pulled. And um, just, you know, that's exactly what we need to keep doing. And to the point where we can, laugh at the mistakes that we made because the real mistakes not to make are to do nothing. That's the mistake we can't afford to make. The mistake we cannot afford to make is to let this happen 
and not change our society, that make the changes that need to be made, whether it's to the criminal justice system, whether it's to, you name it, uh, our educational system, our healthcare system, that's the big mistake, not the little mistakes that make us so afraid to talk to each other. And, and so I wanna just say um, how much we, I personally enjoyed, and I know a lot of people in the community have been posting and mentioning you guys and saying how much they got out of that conversation. Uh, just say over time, uh, as you guys continue your friendship and your talks and your moving into the future, Anytime that you guys want to come back and just give us a status update, like, oh, here's some new stuff we want to talk about, even just because it's a Friday afternoon and I'm looking right now and it's really sunny and I'm just thinking of the big tall drink I'm going to put down. But um, <laughs> yeah, just we really um, we're really uh, appreciative that you gave us this time. Uh, if there's anything you guys want to say, we're kind of roughly in the, the time frame that we normally work in. But is there anything you guys didn't say the other night that you kind of want to tack on now or just maybe a leading thought towards the, the weeks ahead? Anything of that nature that you want to drop in here? Yeah, I mean, this is a this is like a funny window to have this conversation because I don't I don't know what you guys' turnaround time is like and when you guys normally post these things, but Charles and I are have kind of teamed up um with a couple other of the denim hangs organizations, mother makers and creators to kind of have like a, a follow-up conversation um with the community and and kind of involving the community in a in a greater way that I'm sure that by the time that you guys have this posted that that'll be done already. Um, so thanks for coming. <laughs> um, but um, we, we post them pretty fast. We'll, we'll, we could talk about it, but that, uh, there'll always be opportunity to just come back later cool. and continue to update people. I, I really do think that, that we're at a good time. And I think a lot of this conversation is not going to just be conversation. It's going to lead to real action because the more we keep talking, people are going to feel yeah. uh, compelled. Yeah. Charles, Charles, anything on your, on your tip of your tongue, because you're you're a wise a wise human being, and we like hearing you talk. No, no, I'm like I, like I've said in um or like um uh, Adam said in my bio, I'm I'm a just a forever student. Um, but no, I I think it's just this 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 type of conversation is great, and um it's funny because <laughs> Lucas and I well we we went over, so we we got off of Instagram stories because they cut us off in an hour, and then we got because the engagement was just everybody I think just felt relief to be able to hear that, Hey, we're thinking the same things you're thinking. We're, we're, we're processing the same things you're processing. And I think if, if we can all do that, that's, that's just going to be, that's better for everybody, you know? Um, and I just appreciate you guys having us on and Lucas and I were excited to do, um, do another chat, um, here, um, in a couple of days and, and just keep the conversation going. I mean, um, with, Man, I, I think really today, Lucas reminded me that the Live Inspired collection uh, speaks even heavier now um, than it did when we first launched it. And uh, I think if we promote that to other people and to the community, to live inspired by what's going on right now and to change your heart, which will all automatically change your mind and your thoughts, um, we, we, we can all do better together. So We have to do better. Yeah, we've got to do better. I mean, it's it's now and yep. it's our future. I mean, your kids are in the background. You want your kids to have the the best future yep. possible. I want my children to have the best future possible. So it's it's something that for me is 
what's fighting for the most. I mean, I, I can't think of another reason other than, you know, the, the health and safety of my own family to, to get, to get going. And, you know, uh, in the prior podcast today, uh, and we were talking to Rashad and something that he mentioned, and I kind of want to get your guys take on it quickly is, you know, not everyone has to be a lawyer or, you know, a lobbyist, you know, or, or marching on DC. And it's kind of all about, you know, playing your part and um, doing something that you can actually influence in, in your circle. So, you know, along with the willingness to be wrong, the willingness to have hard conversations, the willingness to love yourself, and the willingness to, to love your community and be empathetic and compassionate towards it. How do you guys feel about um, being able to do your part, if, even if it's not the most grandiose um, out of all of them? How, how do you like encourage that, I would say, um, to your friends and family? Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's definitely insightful. I think all the, like the list that you mentioned there, like those are all internal things. Like those are things that you challenge yourself internally, regardless of your role or your skill set. I mean, like I'm, I think I'm kind of first and foremost, maybe even, maybe even in a political sense, I guess, like I'm far, always more concerned about the micro than the macro, you know, and in going into, you know, I, yeah, you make a great point. I'm, I'm, I'm not a person that's ever been in a protest, you know, I like, and I thought about it and like, do I want to go to the, the town over or whatever? Do I, do I want to go to this thing? And I thought, what, obviously there's, there's power in volume, right? Um, but those things aren't for everyone, you know? And I thought about what my reason would be for going is, is I think about how people are like, oh, my parents went to Woodstock or my parents marched um, on the, the Martin Luther King marches would I be going just to be able to say that, you know? So, so I think like vert and the, the micro versus the macro thing, like I have an ability, I have a platform. I think I have a responsibility to do the right thing with it. You know, um, I look at, you know, the follow-up to our conversation that, that Charles and I had was that a, we need to amplify black voices in our community, no excuses immediately. B we need to open a forum for all voices to be able to be heard in in the lens of making action and i look at those two things and this this event that we're in the process of planning and by the time you're hearing this will have happened already i know that i have i have the skill set and the resources to put that event together and i feel good about being able to contribute that way you know it's not about me it's about i want it to be good and i want it to be effective so i think yeah like everyone is able to like be pushing out of your comfort zone and and being active within your means are two different things. I think you can do both of those simultaneously. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. It's, um, you know, and then, you know, kind of leaning on uh, Lucas's mind with, with strategy, like um, I think uh, for, for me, for us, we, we continue to leverage our community. Like, so Lucas always calls me Mr. Community because from day one, that's, that's kind of been my personality to kind of share share the wealth, uh, spread positivity, um, you know, drive, drive engagement, um, for being inspired in whatever manner that is. And, um, I think that, um, with that, hold on, wait, I just lost my, my train of thought. My, my best buddy, that was his nickname for me. I, he called me Mr. Community. So yeah, we, we, uh, we have a little, little bond going on. There. <laughs> we got a little bond. Oh, so here's, here's where I was going. So, um, 
like Lucas says, like you, you, you find your sweet spot. And so for, for me, um, my wife and I, we're also full-time, um, army, you know, and I'm full-time national guard and the national guard, um, they're, they're the people behind the police right now with all, with everything going on. Um, but the difference with the national guard is that they're, they're, um, their focus is about, um, maintaining the safe environment, um, which is totally different from whatever the orders are for the police. And so I, I think we have a responsibility um, as, a, as a denim community and as a, um, an entrepreneur um, and kind of just maybe community leader, if you will, to just drive that conversation. Um, and, that, and, that's, and that's it. And that's okay. Like there, there's going to be different forms of of protesting and support and different platforms where you have to have these engagements. So, and so if, if so for example, if, if a protester goes to whatever mayor's office and they're, they're going, um, based off of, um, okay, you can bring it up there, champ. They're, they're going based off of what they want to see change, but it's, but it's all driven by. I told you that the kids would show up. They've, we went a long way. We went came a very far time before the children showed up, but happy to see them. You see, like I got, <laughs> oh, I got my soup. Charles, that's not real you know? food. She, oh, she keeps calling your name too. She was like, "It's soup. Oh. It's pepper soup." Be quiet. <laughs> She's like, "That's Lucas." Lucky. Uh, so, um, if you if if you have um, going back to strategy, um, that's where I was going. You you have to have a strategy and and kind of how you're. Uh, addressing your platform and your community. So if you're if you're someone who's trying to go to a mayor's office and you're you're basing your uh, engagement off of anger and frustration and just emotions are up and down, when you actually get in front of that mayor or whoever that public official is that can that can drive change and you don't have your strategy together, it's not going to go anywhere. You know. So in driving this conversation and, and spreading this word and education and community, there has to be a strategy involved as well. It can't just be just all the way just out there like. Let, yeah, no justice, no peace, because that's not going to get us anywhere. So what about that no justice, no peace do you want to see changed? And so I think that that's our responsibility to kind of communicate that and say, hey, here are these steps. Like Lucas said, A, we do this, B, we do this. And we continue to go on, 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 that, on, that, um, on that path until we have a, uh, a compilation, if you will, of um, kind of takeaways that we can all just grow from. Yeah, I think that that you're. I know you guys are trying to add this up. I'm gonna real quick. Um, <laughs> um, you said like the responsibility of an entrepreneur, right, and and of a brand. I'm really torn up on the argument between like now that I now that I'm feeling this way and I'm fired up and the country's fired up. How do I feel about brands that I give a shit about, right, and that I say mm. my Right. I feel like as a consumer, my best way to show my values is with my purchases. How do I feel when the brands that I love aren't saying anything? But I was there. I was there last week when I was like, oh, man, I don't want to do that. It's too risky. And I don't make money off anybody. I'm not relying. You know, this is fun. I have a job. This is any time that I spend online talking about jeans is 100% for my own satisfaction. I'm not relying on it to feed myself, family, you know, like that's tricky. I guess, like, I would hope, especially when you think of, think of small makers and, you know, little one-man brands and, and, and small shows like that, like, that's a lot harder to make a comment. Then. But then you look at, like, 
you know, your, your tailor stitches and topos, they're saying stuff, but there's a lot to lose. You know, I like, I was just last night, I'm, I'm a sucker for scrolling through, you know, like world star hip hop style comments on brands pages. And I was just looking at like when Red Wing put something up about, about a donation they made to, you know, um, uh, I think it was a, a fund in, in Minneapolis. Like, you know, it's torn down the middle of people that are pissed about it, people that are happy about it, people that think it's not enough. It's not an easy time to be a brand. Like in, in these kinds of social, social civil unrest and, and, you know, kind of social change, like that's a tough, that's a tough position to be in. And COVID was hard enough anyway. You're not making any money. I haven't bought jeans in the last three months. So you're, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. So I hope that people just do the right thing for whatever that is for their brand you know, and that's, it's an opportunity to, you know, it's never an opportunity to a, a marketing opportunity, but it's an opportunity to display your values to your consumers, you know? So on one hand, I'm thinking like, eh, I don't feel so good about X, Y, and Z brand. But on the other hand, I'm wearing X, Y, and Z brand right now. Just pressuring brands to say, Hey, um, you, you, you gotta say something and don't say it wrong. Don't just put something out there just to say it because they will trash you, and I've seen it. I've, I've I've saw brands that say one thing, and they made they might have deleted it, and they're saying I'm sorry now. Well, you know that's okay because that 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 I'm sorry is the first part. That's day one for them now. So now they get it. You, you know, um, so it's in one way or another, brands are going to get the picture for sure. Yeah, I was uh, amazed just how even very cautious, um, bland brands were taking fairly bold a lot of them were taking fairly bold stances but you know it's the definition of bold mm. doing the right thing you know to uh, to face injustice has to be defined maybe not so much as bold but like sort of something like obligatory like we will get more used to the idea that that's that's more the norm of how we should behave is reacting more vocally to injustice anyway Charles, you are a man with with a young child clearly running you around that house. We're going to let you, uh, Adam. Anything uh, do you want want to wrap wrap anything up? Yeah, I mean, there's some really great stuff here, and I truly appreciate you guys coming on, making time for us, and I hope to uh, catch that next talk that you guys put out. So I'm looking forward to that. But it, you know, wrapping this up, I, I see a few things. One is deciding to to make that change yourself. Two is actually doing it. And three is realizing that relationships are global right now, and it's part of your responsibility to do something about it. And it's also part of your responsibility to, to kind of say the right thing about it, even if you say something wrong first. So I hope that going forward, people really take that to heart. And once this kind of honeymoon phase ends of where we're all hyper aware of it right now, but you know, the world is constantly changing, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow, that we still continue this because it is the importance. And if we stop, if we just let this die off, all of that, all of this stuff is just like, it falls, you know, the ground right underneath us. So I know I'm never giving up. This is just too big of an issue for me. It's, it's my child, you know, it's, it's everything. So you know, with your talks, with your influence, with our podcasts and with our social media influence, this is going to be continued to be discussed. And I think we're going to be able to influence enough people to keep the conversation going. And the four of us right here, we're all about influence. We're all about putting the spotlight on each other. So 
I want you to hold Albert and I accountable, especially me, that we continue this conversation and it needs to continue to grow. So I just thank you guys for starting it. Like I told you guys, like you broke the ice, like the floodgates open and here we all are. And we're all trying to navigate, you know, keep our head above water, but also really learn how to swim. So thank you. I want to continue this. And uh, I truly appreciate what you guys spoke about today because it really came from the heart. It really did. For sure. Yeah, appreciate you. Do, you. do you mind if I if I leave one parting oh, shot? Of course. Something that you said really, really inspired me to share something that I kind of live my life on an everyday basis. I'm. This is the last time I'm going to interrupt you. Um, you said accountability. Um, I had a. I had a. My last boss that I worked for um, instilled this lesson in me that like really struck me in a way that changed the way that I live my life. Uh, I, I don't believe in accountability. Accountability means that you're holding someone to someone else's expectation, right? So if I'm told by the person above me, your team needs to do this, and I say, you need to do this to my team, then I'm holding them to the expectations of someone else. The most effective leadership, the most effective, um, you know, persuade, for, in, way to influence is not to hold people accountable, it's to hold people responsible. To hold someone responsible is to make sure that they understand the mission and understand the point. I've always been a huge why person, right? I, like that's why I dropped out of college four times because I asked why do I have to do this too many times and it just wasn't working. So that that's why that speaks to me so, so clearly, right? So it's like, if you give people the reason why they need to think that or why it's a good idea, why it serves them, why it serves their community, these conversations that, that you know, we may have with our uh, you know, following base or family or friends or people that we meet in our communities or people that you meet at a rally. It's it's not about it's not about it's about holding them responsible. It's not about accountability. Accountability is is bullshit. Right on, man. I, I love that. So we will hold us responsible. That's that's yeah. truly truly my TED talk. <laughs> I think nice. if there was ever a TED talk, it would be that. So thank you for coming to my <laughs> TED talk, <laughs> as we say in the industry. Oh man. All right. I think that was a great way to, to wrap this up. So this has been another episode of the Veer, Vulnerabilis Veer podcast. I'm Adam Glinsky. I'm Albert Imperato. I'm Lucas Fitzpatrick. And I'm Charles Miller. Thank you for listening.